Strikes Radio brings you The Haunted Sea with host Scott Martis. Martis, welcome to another episode of The Haunted Sea. Today, my guest is cryptozoologist Scott Marlowe. Hello, Scott. How you doing? Good. We've known each other for a few years now, and it's nice to have you on my uh, show. Um, to give people your background, I'm just going to read the bio that you sent me, if that's okay with you. Oh, that's fine. That's the published one. All right. So this is your bio. Scott Marlowe, a fellow of the famed Pangea Institute and educational consultant to the American Primate Conservation Alliance, is the first expert in the field of cryptozoology to succeed in establishing an online college-level course in the subject at a state institution of higher learning anywhere in the world. His course was held as one of the top 10 news stories of 2004 by the cryptozoologist, a well-known insider e-magazine, won both accolades and awards for his fresh approach and application of forensic science methodologies to the study of enigmatic animals. The author of Cryptid Creatures of Florida, originally published by CFC Press of Great Britain, Marlowe literally wrote the book on cryptozoology in the Sunshine State. This acclaimed work was followed by Bigfoot Enigma, Bigfoot in Art History, a series of volumes on Florida fossils, a history of the origins of golf, and now Squally's, his first fictionalized novella about a pre-World War II government experiment on producing super soldiers by crossbreeding humans with apes. Marlowe also created several television program concepts and penned two screenplay adaptions of published works written originally by other authors. Marlowe's television credits include Monster Quest, Is It True, Legend Hunters, Destination Truth, Weird Florida, William Shatner's Weird or What, and Weird Travels in addition to countless radio appearances, TV guest spots, and lecture tours. Okay, so you're almost as well known for your geology work in Florida as you are for your cryptozoology work. That oh, go doesn't ahead. qualify as geology, but uh, you know the uh, uh, mollusca. You know, I'm not a qualified scientist there, although I've worked with Dr. Ed Batuk, who wrote and named more than 50% uh, of the mollusca known to be in the state. And uh, Ed and I are real good friends. Yeah. Well, what I primarily want to talk about right now, since the show is primarily about sea monsters and lake monsters, is about the fossil marine vertebrates of Florida. Now, one thing that is conspicuous about Florida is the lack of Mesozoic marine vertebrates. The only, the only Mesozoic marine reptile fossil that I'm aware of that's surfaced in Florida are sea turtle fragments from an oil, um, what do you call it when you go down dredging from oh. the ground? Oil dredging around Lake Okeechobee brought up some sea turtle fragments, parts of a shell and I think maybe a humerus. That's the only marine uh, vertebrate, I think, or marine reptile from the Mesozoic era that's been found in, found in Florida. Now, do you want to explain to people why there are no 
dinosaurs or marine reptiles in Florida? Because at that time, Florida was not much more than a sandbar, uh, and most of it was underwater. The Brooksville area, for example, where I've done an awful lot of fossil hunting uh, in the phosphate mines up there, uh, they were under 70 feet of water. So oh, most people would find, uh, if you found anything at all, would be things like mosasaurs, which are fairly common along the Gulf Coast. But I, I'm not even aware of a mosasaur specimen that has been found in Florida. They're primarily, I've, you know, I've been to Glen Rose, Texas, and there's loads of them there, uh, along with other dinosaurs, because that was shallow sea. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there have been mosasaurs found in Alabama. So you yeah. probably would find some up in the panhandle, but you'd have to do some heavy-duty digging. Yeah. Now, there are plesiosaurs, mosasaurs found all over Alabama, uh, Georgia, and Mississippi. But right. Was Florida part of what they call the Mississippi embayment? Uh, well, the, there is a Mississippian layer, but it's down a pretty darn, de- you know, pretty darn depth when you get up around the again the Brooksville area. I well, think most of it has eroded away. Ed would be a better, better resource to tell you that because he's familiar with the oil drilling in the Everglades and yeah, would know the layers better than I do. I'm not talking about the Mississippian geology period. There was during the Mesozoic, there was a shallow sea that covered parts of Alabama, Mississippi, and went and penetrated as far as southern Arkansas, called oh, yeah. the Mississippi Embayment. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, that yeah, that was definitely there. There was actually uh, cutting across from around Perry, Florida, that area, and going up to Georgia near Savannah. There was actually a very a low spot there uh, where there was a waterway. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said, the rest of the state was pretty much just beginning to emerge from the from the waves as a sandbar because of the Gulf Stream. Yeah. I mean, it actually went around what was, you know, what later became the state. Yeah. Well, now there are quite a bit of Kenozoic vertebrates found in Florida. That's probably stuff between the Eocene and I would guess early Pleistocene. Yeah. Tell us about the early whales, about Bacillosaurus and all those. Well, the well they're there, and, they're, and I've got quite a few specimens in my collection of vertebra. Uh, I've got one one uh, fossil where the uh, where the the lower part of the animal connected with the skull, but I've never found anything else. I know they're there, and you can see some really good examples at the State Museum in uh, Gainesville. Now, you, you, you talk about where it connected to the skull. Are you talking about the atlas axis part complex? It's kind of like a Y-shaped thing, only it's pretty solid. There's no de- definitive Y there. But the, uh, the, the two parts of the rib cage joined up there. Ah, okay. So where are megalodon fossils normally found in Florida? All over the place. Uh, I've found them way south. Way north, and uh, yes, and especially in in the area near me that's called Bone Valley, I I dig up uh, mosasaur, excuse me, uh, megalodon teeth constantly. Yeah, My, and a lot of them, depending upon where you get them, would be juveniles. But on from time to time, I do find something in the order of nine inches. Yeah, which is obviously uh, an adult. But I don't think the animal looked a lot like the the drawings. 
that uh, many people uh, have of them. Uh, I think they looked a little more like a tiger shark. And according to Ed, uh, they actually are related to tiger sharks, not great whites. Yeah, well, um, their genus now is called Otodus. Yes. And there's another shark related, uh, Otodus. Um, what, what is the, the one I'm thinking of? The Eocene one. It was contemporary with Basilosaurus, um, Otodus something. I can't think of the species name. Yeah, well, and I'm having a senior moment now that you've, <laughs> you've yeah, said something. Yeah, yeah. I get it to well, come up either. Anyway, it was, the genus was Otodus, and it was a contemporary of Basilosaurus. Um, what do you know about these paleophid sea snakes from the Eocene? The sea snakes? Yeah, like Terospanus. Not very much. I know that I know there were large, very large snakes all over the Gulf Coast. Uh, and uh, um, Dr. Block at the University of Florida did a lot of seminal work on that. Uh, and uh, he actually uh, crowned the Titanoboa. But, uh, you know, you... Uh, the snake issue here in Florida has been kind of weird because many people don't know it, but the Mayans were here and they weren't afraid of them. They, they would bring them up from Venezuela and all of that and build moats around their fortifications here and stock them with the with the. Uh, 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 oh, come on, Scott. Anacondas. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the snakes, especially ocean going snakes, could easily be here. And actually, some of the you know, Texas Galveston area sightings that were reported in the 1800s sound a lot like those snakes. The one with all the dorsal fans around Galveston, what was that, 1872, somewhere in there? And there's equivocation about that. Some people think that it, that it was an oarfish, <coughs> but that's also possible. Not having been there, I can't tell you. Yeah. Um. I've heard about a fossil site around a racetrack somewhere in Florida. What do you know about that? Which racetrack? Oh, I can't think of somewhere in central Florida. I think it's 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 no longer a racetrack now, but it was at one point, and supposedly they found a lot of fossils there. One of the fossils I know that's been found there was the giant otter in Hydrotherium. Yes. Does that sound familiar? That you find that stuff all over, you know. When at, at that period, Florida extended eighty miles further out into the Gulf and about thirty, forty miles further out into the Atlantic. So you know we're on high, on what was then high ground. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, you know, grassy plains. You had uh, mammoths. You had uh, mastodons. You had the giant ground sloth. You had megatherium. I mean, all of those things. Well, let's talk about the giant um, crocodiles, Gavialisuchus, and the yeah. giant uh, manatee, Metaxatherium. Tell us about right. those. Well, they're there. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. They're just there. Uh, you know, again, it's a water. It was a water state. It's always been a peninsular state, even when it was you know, higher. So anything that could come coastal and work its way inland to all of our lakes and whatever usually did. Yeah. You know, you know, even today, a lot of shark species spawn in the fresh water, like the bull sharks. Yeah. Well, you know, 
moving on to the cryptozoology stuff, one thing that seems to confuse water monster sightings here in Florida is the fact that you've got known large aquatic animals like alligators and manatees and the bull sharks come into the rivers and all sorts of stuff like that that you don't have in a lot of places up north, like Lake Sam Point where I work, you know. How much does that matter? you're familiar with Monster Quest, I guess, and uh, I did an I did an episode for them. Actually, it was the first one they asked me to do that wasn't just research. Uh, but uh, they had a quote sea monster in uh, Lake Worth down there by Palm Beach that was sighted across from where the power plant is, and the guy had filmed it for several years uh, and insisted it was a sea monster. And from the videos, it kind of looked that way, but. Uh, Ed and I examined them, this is Ed Patuk, uh, examined them frame by frame, and uh, we finally saw one frame that, that tipped us off as to what the animal was, at least the front of it. Uh, what turned out to happen, and uh, you know, we were correct, is they were you know, very impressed with this so-called trident tail, which was actually a manatee that had been damaged by a propeller. propeller. And the front end was a pinniped, a seal. Mm-hmm. And I thought it might be because there were reports at that time. A uh, um, now I can't think of this. A heart, uh, not a harbor seal. A uh, what is supposed to be an extinct seal? Caribbean monk seal. What's that? A monk seal. That's right. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. fishermen had been reporting them on the islands down in the Caribbean. And uh, and I still think they're there, but it was actually and Ed thought it was a hooded seal. Uh, it actually turned out to be a harbor seal. And what was happening is the seals are carnivores, and the manatees are herbivores. So you know that our manatees have been seen as far north as Lake Champlain, and uh, they they commute back and forth every year using the uh, Gulf Stream. Yeah. So the seals, the seals from up there basically learned from the manatees uh, that they could travel the Gulf Stream back and forth. And since they didn't compete for food, there was no problem with them traveling together. So yeah. uh, that, 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 that's what, start, what has started happening. And now they're, the, they're beginning to radiate into the, the, the ecological niche that the monk seals have vacated. Yeah. Well, I know there's also a case of a bearded seal coming down from the Arctic to Fort Lauderdale. So you've got it going from two different directions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (coughs) And as the the ocean currents change due to the warming of those currents and the seas, as you can tell from the hurricanes, that's going to happen more and more. Yeah. Let's see. What was I thinking of? Okay, so we should mention that the guy filming the videos... At Lake Worth is Gene Sourwine, in case anybody's confused uh, about what we're talking about. Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring up names because people get contentious. Well, he's on my episode too, so it's not like it's a big secret. Um, so, what are your opinions about on this on the Gulf Coast side? We've got a bunch of monster sightings, kind of up and down the same area, like uh, the Lo- Madeira Beach monster. That was videoed, and you also have the Sanibel Island monster. What yeah. are your opinions on those? 
Well, uh, if you go back to the, let's talk about Lake Powell for a minute, uh, which was, uh, gee, 1957 or 58. Yeah. Uh, a guy yes. named Eric, Eric Paget, I think it was, yep. was That's about him. 11 years old, and his dad was teaching him how to, uh, what, how to water ski in slalom. Now, that lake, I used to live near that lake. I, I lived in Gulf Breeze, which is known for other things. Yeah. Uh, but I lived up there for, geez, I guess it's about seven years. And uh, we had several sightings up in that area that I explored then and then recently to re-examine some of the material. And uh, they eventually, I mean, this, they chased this thing all over the lake uh, with several other boaters and couldn't catch it. And then uh, found um, uh, a what they claim was a 40-pound carcass of a sea creature a couple of months after that in one of the uh, little bayous up there. And they sent a sample of the head tissue to uh, the Smithsonian, and as usual, you know, it supposedly disappeared and somebody finally found it. Uh, but uh, they claimed it was a black-tipped shark, I believe, is what the, the final diagnosis was. Which is possible. They do range up there, and they do go in the the, the lakes that have uh, access to the sea. Yeah, uh, well, it's a, Lake Powell's a dune lake. Yeah. So in any case, uh, you know, it you know it may have been, but the only thing that bothers me is some of the descriptions again, because you get the head coming up out of the water, uh, you know, the bulbous head, yada yada yada, which can't be an elasmosaur or a, a pterosaur, not a pterosaur, a uh, Plesiosaur, because they don't have a bulbous head. Yeah. Uh, they have an elongated head. But uh, in any case, uh, and the, a 40-pound carcass doesn't make sense unless it was extremely degraded because a, a, an adult black tip's about 150 pounds. Yeah. Well, it could have been a juvenile shark. I don't know. Well, it's um, possible it was a juvenile, but yeah, and that's also possible because it was chasing you know, the guy on the skis, which may have looked like a food stuff to him. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you know, out on the West Coast, many surfers are attacked because from below, the great white mistakes them for their favorite food, a seal. Are, yeah. So how, how similar are the reports from Powell Lake to the Pensacola monster? It's somewhat similar, except that the, the three young men, or excuse me, five young men, uh, went out apparently in the evening uh, trying to dive on the wreck of the, the, the old battleship of Massachusetts. And they were attacked by something. Now, you know, the one survivor claimed that uh, it, it was a bulbous head again and it was as tall as a telephone pole, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was the only survivor because he spent the night apparently uh, hugging a buoy. Uh, the other gentlemen uh, were all killed. I think only two of them were unaccounted for. The others were found later drowned. Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, in that particular area, uh, more recently, you had a young lady have her arm ripped off by a bull shark. Mm -hmm. uh, so whatever attacked them was probably a bull shark. And uh, I'll get into a little more of that in a second. But uh, I went up looking for the original newspaper accounts because the newspaper that covered it back in those days is long since defunct. I finally found the archive on microfilm and dug out all the all of the news articles. Not a single mention in any of the news articles about a dinosaur or 
any kind of sea creature. That didn't come up until much later when Argosy ran the story. I think it was Fate magazine. Yeah, Fate, you're right, you're yeah. right. Um, and, uh, you know, and sometime after that, uh, a preacher uh, crossing one of the bridges down by Panama City claimed he saw one too. But therein lies the problem. Uh, you have some creationists up there that are hell-bent and determined to prove that man and dinosaur lived at the same time. And they're willing yeah, I can't, to get hope it's the most prominent one. Well, maybe so. And again, I don't want to name names. If you want to, that's fine. I'm not going to get sued. Yeah. But the bottom, the bottom line is that uh, the, the, that agenda calls to question anything they see uh, and report. So it's, it, it's impossible to say whether the thing is genuine or not. And then, of course, you know, the, the, the guy that had the, the sighting, uh, his son survives. I think he's dead now. I tried to talk yeah. to him sometimes when he lived in Jacksonville, yeah. but he, he always refused me. But now his son wants to be compensated for talking to you, and that sends red flags up all over the place. So uh, they're not willing to tell the story gratis uh, to a news outlet. Uh, I don't buy it, and I don't believe it. Yeah. Well, it was also a sighting in 1943 by a Navy guy named Thomas Helm of Fort Walton of a long-necked creature, but his creature had a cat-like face and hair. What do you know about that sighting? Uh, that one sounds like the the one I wrote about in my book. It was I, we they called it something else, the Sea Devil, uh, and uh, that turned out to be a kind of rate rayer skate. Well, there are freshwater stingrays in the rivers of Florida. I think in the Saint oh, yeah. Johns River. Oh yeah, I've caught them on the intercoastal waterways down in Fort Lauderdale too. My father, my late father, used to go bass fishing on Lake George and told me he saw just the, the largest tadpoles he's ever seen in his life. What do you know about that? I don't. Ah. Okay, so what about the St. John's River Monster? Now, that would include Lake Monroe and all those sightings up and down. Well, and you see them up and down because that all connects with St. John's River. Yeah. Uh, but uh, th that probably is pinky. At least that's what my friend Charlie Carlson calls them, calls it in his books uh, or book Weird Florida. Yeah. And, uh, you know, great book, by the way. Uh, in any way, in any case, uh, the, the fact that they constantly report the skin is pink makes me su suspect a freshwater dolphin. Mm. Like the Amazon River dolphin. Something along the lines of that. You get reports of it on the on of those on the Mississippi River, on the uh, near Mobile, Alabama, uh, and along the Gulf Coast. Uh, yeah, they've got pictures of it too, and it's it's interesting. Yeah. It's like a bottlenose dolphin, but it's pink. Yeah, well, there are river dolphin fossils in Florida, I think, from the Miocene. Right. So that could potentially be these animals' ancestors. I don't know. Possibly. I, you know, I've got a few dolphin teeth in my collection, too, as well as the whale teeth. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in any event, uh, well, then that's an interesting thing, because certain of the sharks, like the black tip and the dolphins, when they're feeding, they'll breach. They come out of the water, like some of the whales do. Yeah. So, I mean, that, you know, that could also account for some of these, these necks coming out of the water stuff. Yeah. What about... Uh... 
Tell me about the stories about the so-called clinch-like monster. <laughs> that one's fun. Uh, that goes back to what I said about the Mayans. I'm pretty sure that what happened there was a rather large uh, anaconda was loose in the lake at that time and may still have progeny in that area. Uh, but a, a, a businessman by the name of Malay or Mallet uh, went fishing one day and uh, never came back. And they eventually, a couple days later, found his body in the reeds along the banks. And it had some markings on it that looked rather weird, like he had been uh, partially bitten by some kind of giant creature. Uh, and the markings from what I found in the funeral record, which I was able to do with my friend uh, Owl going back, uh, who was working at the cemetery where he was eventually buried in Orlando, uh, indicated that he had been probably bitten by some sort of very large snake based on the pattern. Now, how bad of a problem are the um, invasive pythons down in southern Florida? Has anybody been attacked so far or anybody's animals been attacked? Yes. The animals, yes. A person, not that I'm aware of. I know many people like Omar Torres that goes down there hunting them. But uh, I, you know, that's not one of my favorite things. I'm not a snake person. I'm kind of like Indiana Jones, anything but snakes. Well, I'm scared of alligators, which is one reason I haven't done a lot of field work here in Florida. I've been planning on doing it because we have such mild winters here. But uh, well, I just unless, haven't. Unless you're in the wrong time. place at the wrong time during mating season, as a rule, they'll leave you alone. Ah. Yeah, you know, the males are very territorial during mating season, and the females, when they're laying eggs, are really, really um, aggressive. Yeah. Well, but you got a bigger uh, problem. Now. I think they oh, caught them all. I think they caught them all, but there were some uh, Nile crocodiles loose down that way too. Yeah. What about these feral iguanas running around? Yeah, and there's apparently a new uh, white and, and green striped specimen that's out there now, too. But I've seen them in the trees down in the Keys constantly. Yeah. The marine iguanas particularly, but also the green. Are there any feral monitor lizards running around Florida? Yes. Down, down in, in Cape Coral in that area, they're pretty common. Wow. Some of them can get pretty big, too. Oh, yeah. And they'll, they'll scarf up cats and dogs, small dogs, easy. Oh, I can believe that. I just recently found out about the cane toad problem here in Florida. What do you know about that? They're poisonous. Yeah. You know, I've got cats that would love to eat one. And, boy, I keep, keep mine indoors because I don't want them messing around with anything that's out there yeah i saw mine one of mine jumping around one day and uh i went to see what she was doing and she had a long lizard tail hanging out of her mouth well hopefully that's you know it was just an animal lizard but mine yeah. have caught too but uh, we had a uh through a tiny little and i mean it was tiny little crack in our front door uh at the at the weather stripping we had a pygmy rattlesnake get in the house, and uh, my cats surrounded it, but they were smart enough to know not to get too close. I had to, I had to take one of my son's uh, 
sweeping, you know, the kind you can stand up with a dustbin, uh, take one of the, the standing dustbins and sweep it into the dustbin and throw it outside. So you've heard the stories about the so-called Tarpon Lake Monster. Yeah. Which has been described as some kind of a bipedal dinosaur type, spinosaurus type dinosaur that leaves three-toed footprints. Do you think there's a connection between that and the giant penguin hoax in Clearwater? In other words, do you think Tarpy was inspired by the penguin hoax? Oh, I think somebody grabbed onto the uh, three-toed uh, penguin nonsense and uh, tried to spin that to suit themselves with another hoax. But there is a, a, a so-called monster there we call the Cracker Dog Killer, and it's actually an otter. Ah. You know, somebody so, was attacked by it, and I read the whole account, and it was definitely an otter. Do you want to tell the story of the whole penguin hoax and Ivan Sanderson and all that? Uh, well, somebody, I can't remember all the names now, but uh, without going into all of my notes, but somebody had some cast iron or cast metal, the tracks made that they strapped on their feet, walked around the beach, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, you know, that, that hoax really took over a more legitimate thing that Sanderson and Hulemans was were doing. Uh, researching a different kind of creature that was uh, an an older creature, a prehistoric creature that would have resembled something like a, a rhino or a hippopotamus. Well, we know there were fossil aquatic rhinoceroses. Yeah. During like the Oligocene, Miocene. I think period. there were so taxons. Could have been could have been a survival of that that we didn't know about. Possibly, uh, you know, there have been several stories of similar nature, like the the um, um, dinosaur that was supposedly running around up on the old military trail uh, on the on the St. Augustine side. Ah, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. So speaking dragoon, of St. Augustine, yeah, the Dragoon Trail monster. Speaking of St. Augustine, we've got to talk about the giant octopus globster. What is your opinion on that? I'm pretty sure it was a giant squid, although the, the, the tissue samples did come back. It was an octopod. Yeah. So, um, I want to go see a giant squid uh, go down to Sarasota to the Moat Museum. They've got one there that's a really nice specimen. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, last time I was there, it was hanging in some kind of a, pres a preserved thing uh, near the ceiling. What is your opinion on the New River Inlet carcass from 1880? Don't know. This was kind of a, one of those basking shark type carcasses with a head no, yeah, I know that i just don't have an opinion i didn't see enough material or enough photography to give me an opinion of what it could be yeah so you've also done work on the skunk ape you want to talk about that a little bit well i mean the skunk ape is something that i myself have seen three times twice in texas and uh, eastern texas and the big thicket and once here in Florida in 1975, 
in and, and what was then an old area of surrounded by orange groves and forests and stuff by the Akana Lakahachi, uh, which which my my apartment at that time uh, backed up to, and I was taking pre med at Rollins College at that time. But uh, in any event, uh, so I, I mean, I know on that level it exists, but scientifically there is insufficient proof of any of it. So I don't, I don't insult anybody by asking, especially not scientists, by asking them to accept my word for it. And it's not the same animal as Patterson's Bigfoot, right? I don't think they're the same. I think they're maybe the same genus, but not the same species. Um, there have been some people speculate that part of what's going on with the skunk ape sightings are possibly feral chimpanzees and orangutans. What do you think of that idea? Possible. The photography that I've seen thus far is either an orangutan or a chimp. I haven't seen anything convincing. Uh, you know, for example, the Lettuce Lake monster, that was definitely a hoax. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's too many hoaxers out there now trying to play I'm smarter than you are. Well, the Thetis Lake monster was in Canada, right? No, it was in Lettuce Lake Park in Tampa. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, so what do you know about the place that Creature from the Black Lagoon was filmed at? I don't know much about the place, but Raku Browning used to be a friend of mine before he passed. Oh, he, cool. he, he actually played the creature. Yeah, uh, I know. He yeah. Yeah, well, he, he also just, you know, for a little side note, he also coordinated almost all the dive sequences in the movie Thunderball with uh, Sean Connery. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Very fascinating gentleman. Yeah. So what are some of the more obscure water monster reports from Florida that most people haven't heard about that you could talk about? Well, it's the water monsters almost everybody knows about. Uh, you know, there have been a couple of really weird ones with the the, the sea, not a sea snake, but it was a, it, like a giant uh, intestinal worm that was off of um Fort Lauderdale, I think it was, or maybe a little further north. And that was some kind of nematode, uh, uh, probably a semi-Arctic nematode that somehow got up here. Huh. But uh, you know, beyond that, almost everything has turned out to be uh, either very unusual things, like I was out deep sea fishing with my dad many, many years ago in, Lake, in, in, uh, excuse me, in Key Biscayne, and the Biscayne Bay, and we were dogged all day, and we were on a 40-foot cruiser. Uh, we were dogged all day by a shark that was bigger than the cruiser. So, you know, it, it, it looked a great deal like a megalodon. If it wasn't, it was sure big. And it was, it, you know, I keep, everybody keeps saying it was just a whale shark. No, it wasn't. This thing would have eaten you alive like Jaws. Whale sharks have prominent spots on them. They're pretty oh, easy yeah. to identify. Yeah, they big, spot. fat, wide head, too. Well, let's put it this way. I was so seasick, I was afraid to put my head over the rail. Wow. 
Now, you're a native of Florida, right? Kind of, sort of. I was born in New York, but before I was even a year old, I was down here. My dad was a snowbird. So yeah. he, used, he used to winter in Sebring as a golf professional for many, many years. I grew up down here six months out of the year. Yeah. When did you become a permanent resident of Florida? Uh, 1995. Hmm. Okay, so... And Tell that's us about how you got in. Time I spent down here when I went to college, which was 70, 74 through 77. Tell us about how you got into cryptozoology and paleontology. That was due to my sighting of the swamp ape in ah. 75. Like I said, I was studying anatomy and stuff because I was taking pre-med. And I, you know, when, I, when this thing just showed up late one night when I was getting home from an evening class and getting out of my car in the parking lot where I was living, way in the back of this complex. Uh, it used to be called Place 436 on, uh, on uh, Semaran Boulevard. Of course, back then, the airport was Quonset Huts from World War II. Uh, and, and we were living surrounded by an orange grove with swamp in the back. It's nothing like it is now. Uh, in any event, uh, you know, this thing was there. I looked at it. Uh, you know, I had seen you know, Bigfoot type stuff uh, advertised in the news. That was, I think, that was about the same time frame that the uh, 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 Boggy Creek monster movie came out. Yeah. But uh, so I thought it was a Bigfoot at first until I started digging into the stuff and then figured out there had to be other types. But because uh, I, I studied it quietly around the world, or these types of creatures around the world everywhere. I went for years. Yeah. Until I came out of the closet in the late 90s, so to speak, and uh, started teaching the class for the state college in Key West. But uh, in yeah. any event, uh, you know, I, I saw it and uh, eventually got up enough nerve to, to back up slowly to the second story uh, exterior stairway to my apartment, and got up the stairs. Uh, it was more interested in the trash trash bin in the uh, in the parking lot to its left, my right, than it was in me. Uh, although every now and then I would see the whites of the eyes letting me know it was looking at me. Uh, I could tell it was hairy. And it didn't stand a lot taller than I was. So, you know, I, I, I was unsure what I was looking at because, you know, the stories of Bigfoot is the thing towers over you. This thing didn't. And uh, in any event, uh, by the time I set my groceries down, put the key in the lock and, got, and opened the door to get in, it was gone. So when you started teaching your course, did you get any blowback from other academics in the same institution? No, I, I, I had a few that wanted to avoid me because they thought I was a nut job. But fortunately, I had several professors of anthropology. Uh, who were extremely supportive of what I did. And actually, my Bigfoot Enigma book grew out of a thesis I did uh, for uh, one of the classes I was taking uh, my, at the same time myself in anthropology, physical anthropology. Uh -huh. so, so in any case, uh, you know, I'm very thankful that things developed the way they did. The biggest problem I had were people taking my syllabus and getting other documentation about the course and then trying to copy it. And they weren't qualified to teach it. Uh -huh. So 
have you done a lot of field research on the aquatic monster sightings in Florida? I've done a fair amount, not nearly as much as you've done, because you've chosen to specialize there. I've stayed pretty general. Like, have you been to some of these places that, like Lake Monroe, where there were sightings back in the 1950s? Oh, yeah. So what did you come up with? Anything? That's where I came up with my diagnosis that it was probably a pink dolphin, a, a freshwater. Ah, okay. I mean, my son and I have spent days eating at restaurants there on the water, cruising the area, taking a, a trip on the boat, yada, yada, yada. And we used to canoe down the Wakaiva all the time. So, you know, uh, we've been up there quite a bit. Of course, now that I'm largely disabled, I can't do a lot of the things I used to do. Well, you know, I like I said, I've been wanting to try to do some field research here in Florida. You know, maybe maybe we could work together and you could come up with plans and I could do the actual field research, you know. Well, that would be fine. I mean, we've stayed For up at uh, we've stayed up at Pinhoki, uh, you know, which has had some sightings. We've gone up uh, to Jacksonville. We're right off the, uh, the the airfield base there that's on the water on the St. John's. They've had sightings there. I mean, we've been up and down the St. John's. Yeah. So, Where yeah, is the St. John's in? It's somewhere uh, down in southern Florida. No, that's the headwater. It oh, actually flows so north. it flows north out through yeah. uh, at, at Jacksonville. Yes. Yeah, it pretty much starts in the marshes. It's actually even further south, but it pretty much starts in the marshes uh, on Route 60, uh, where you cross the St. Johns. Ah, uh, yeah, and you pretty much can't, and you can't really go much further because there's a dam there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it, you know, there's a drainage project and all of that. You can drag around the dam and go further down if you want. But it, it's largely swamp. It's very much like the Everglades in some respects. Uh, so, but from there you could go pretty much downriver the whole way. Yeah. Well, one interesting thing I noticed is that the mouth of the St. John's river at Jacksonville is only 60 miles from the Altamaha river or the yeah. Altamaha river. So I'm wondering if maybe the Altamaha and the St. John's river monster are the same animals. Could very well be. It all depends on whether it hugs the coast. Or there's access from place to place. You have to look at the charts. So you know, along what, the coast, virtually everything is connected because you have the intercoastal waterway. I know one question I want to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> is there any system of rivers to where an animal could swim across connecting rivers and go from the Gulf to the east coast of Florida without having to go around the Cape of Florida? Yeah, two places. Where are they? There's the old canal that's up, uh, yeah, that's up in the Jacksonville area. If you go a little bit further south, you'll cross it if you go up 19. And uh, uh, Route 19, that is. And then there's, uh, there's the Okeechobee Waterway that cuts across from St. Lucie to the Lake Okeechobee, across Lake Okeechobee, and then empties out uh, on the other side in the Chasa, what is it, Chasawaska or something like that. I'm not really good with these Indian pronunciation, yeah. but uh, yeah, but those are the two ways you can go and go completely cross uh, cross uh, state. Well, that's interesting because that creates a potential connection 
between sure. the monsters that are sighted on the East Coast and the ones that are sighted in the Gulf. Absolutely. Yeah. And the Gulf Stream itself wraps around the state, so if it wants to stay in the warm waters of the Gulf Stream, it can do that. Yeah. How many monster sightings do you have down in the Keys? Quite a few. I mean, uh, you know, after all this stuff happened with Cleary and the Pensacola monster, uh, they had a similar sighting by construction workers in Marathon Key. They were working on the roof of a building, and they saw a similar monster. At least they reported they did. Plesiosaur-looking creature. Yeah, well, except for the head. As wow. I said, you know, they, they, they're elongated heads on the plesiosaurs. Yeah. So you know, they don't have a turtle-type head. Yeah. Well, that's one thing about the Pensacola monster description. It seems to be sort of a hybrid between a turtle and a plesiosaur. Well, there might be, but that's, like I said, with this monster we saw in Lake Worth, hybrids are usually composites of two different animals. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean a literal hybrid yeah. between a turtle and a plesiosaur, but, but to suggest that the creature had a combination of turtle features and plesiosaur-type features. Well, that's possible if that nature had some reason for them to evolve that way, sure. Exactly. Uh, Yes. But uh, but in terms of actually been, being able to breed with each other, no, the genetic makeup oh, wouldn't allow it. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Have there I mean, been I, any giant sea turtle sightings in Florida? Uh, well, I mean, we have quite a few large ones, but nothing like the Galapagos turtles. Yeah, but I'm talking about, you know, Huberman's concept of the father of all the turtles, a really gigantic Sea oh, turtles on the lines of Arkansas. They had turtles as big as a punch buggy. Yeah. And for those of you that are too young to know what a punch buggy is, that's a Volkswagen. Beetle, well, that is, not a bus. I would imagine you've got some really hog uh, alligator snapping turtles here in Florida, too. You've got a few really big ones. I wouldn't want to get bit by one. No. But uh, you know, I'm sure their bite would easily crack a stick, if not a baseball bat. So... Um, what is your how how often do you think tourists come to Florida and see a manatee and mistake it for a monster? How often does that I'm happen? Sure, that happens. I've I've seen manatees not breach but arch their back in the water, and boy, they can sure look like some kind of monster. But uh, they're they're gentle giants. There's nothing. I mean, you know, my son canoes and kayaks with them all the time. Yeah. Oh, I know they're harmless. Yeah. What, one question I've been trying to find an answer to is, do the alligators eat manatees on occasion? I'm sure they will, particularly the babies. I don't know if it's, it's a dead manatee and it's ripe, the alligator would probably feed on it because it generally doesn't like fresh meat. They usually, they usually kill whatever it is they're going to attack in a death roll and then take it and stuff it under a log or something until it ripens. So they like carrion. Yeah. Ah, okay. You know, of course, they're they're fleeing from the snakes now, so, you know. Yeah. But they also eat the snakes, so, you know, whatever. Uh, I just wish people would stop letting exotics loose in Florida because it creates a nightmare. What is this I've read lately about a population of herpes-infected monkeys somewhere in Florida? Yes, uh, Silver Springs. Uh, you know, then and they've been up there 
for years and years and years and years and years since the old road shows up there with Silver Springs, let them go. Ah, so some of the exotics in Florida may have came from the circus industry, possibly. Yes. Well, not I don't want to say circus industry because that implies Ringling Brothers and those guys would, and they're very careful. They would never do anything like that. But the roadside zoos and the exhibits. Uh, that used to make trips around the state, and some still do. Uh, yes, they. You know, if, if they can't support the animal anymore, they'll pull over to the side and let it go, much like in the movie Outbreak. Well, that's potentially dangerous. Very. Yeah. So, if you had to choose the most impressive cryptozoological evidence from Florida, what would be on your list? I'm not sure I understand the question. Well, which, an, which animal has the most supporting physical evidence? Yes, or, or what, what individual cryptozoology cases in Florida do you find most impressive from historical? Well, in terms of the quantity of evidence, because virtually everybody's out there looking for it, qualified or not, there's the swamp ape. Yeah. Uh, there's a pretty good amount of, of evidence there. Uh, enough to prove that the animal exists in a court of law, but not in science. Uh, next would be some of the megalodon, I would think, because fossilized megalodon teeth that size are very common, but finding a tooth that is not fossilized uh, indicates a very recent death. So you know, those are, are also not, not extremely common, but they have been found. Have any hair samples of the swamp ape been found? Yes. Have they been forensically analyzed? Some of them have. The one that I have has been, and it has come back as an unidentifiable primate creature or a, at least a, man, a mammal that is larger than a bread box. Are there black bears in Florida? Yes. How often do people find footprints of the skunk ape? Fairly common. Uh, you know, most of them are hoaxed, and obviously so. But there are some where, uh, like the one I have that was given to me by the State Museum, uh, where it was found out in the middle of nowhere, uh, where nobody went. And uh, it, <laughs> let's put it this way, you would have to have been a podiatrist in order to be able to hoax this print. Are they five-toed or three-toed? No, they're five-toed like we are, and they're parallel toads, which indicates that they are related to humans. So do you think there's a connection between the skunk ape and the reports from, say, Boggy Creek and uh, the Honey Island monster? Is there a connection there, do you think? There may be. There's still Gulf Coast. Uh, I, you know, I cringe at the three-toed tracks, but there is a possibility. Now, I've seen one three-toed track coming out of South Florida where it was clearly a composited print between a black bear and an emu, uh, three-toed emu, uh, the, uh, which is a very large flightless bird. Yeah, uh, like an ostrich. Okay. An ostrich. Right. And then I've seen others that were, were of the Honey Island monster that were clearly hoaxed 
probably by a gentleman up there whose name happens to be the same as a particular car brand. Uh, but uh, you know, most of the three-toed tracks I know are bogus. Now, it's possible that an animal could, with a normal foot, uh, get some kind of an infection and lose a toe or two to an infection, and thus you'd have you know less toes than normal. But the the toes would not be elongated or accentuated in any way. Are there feral emus in Florida? Probably because they had emu ranches at one time. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, they were they were raising them for meat, and it's actually pretty good. Um. One thing I've been meaning to look into, and maybe you've already looked into this, is I know that there used to be cowboys that uh, herded cattle through some of the same places with alligators, where alligator attacks on cattle herds a common thing back during the cowboy days. Probably up until about, up up until probably the mid twenties. A lot of causeways and highways and bridges. Yeah. Now. It, Am I right that the old cattle trail used to be what they call the Tamiami Trail? Is that right? Uh, that was an old truck route. Ah, okay. That was in the days before we had 95, 75, I-4. Yeah. I remember that well because before all of that stuff started with the major highways, we used to have to travel to Sebring uh, on 27 Ah. with my dad. Yeah. Now, then it was a two-lane road down the middle of the state. Yeah, okay. Not being a native of Florida, I'm still learning a lot about the history of the state and uh, the geography, you know? Yeah. Well, you had the, the, the old alligator alley that was built back then, too, which figures prominently in my book, Squallies, which, uh, incidentally, is based on truth. The only thing I had to do to, let, to lace the story together was to create the little girl character. But all of the events that I related in the book are true. Well, I Including think Monster Quest, didn't Monster Quest do an episode on that? No, I wish they did, but they never did. Ah, okay. But, uh, in my description of what the, the uh, uh, Alligator Alley and all that was like back in those days, and this is back when Al Capone was down here, too. Uh, and who figures prominently in the book, by the way. Yeah. Uh, in any event, uh, you know that that was all part and parcel of what was going on out there. So one of the reasons why a lot of these uh, story hoaxes cropped up was to keep people from getting too uh, too nosy. Yeah. Because they were bootlegging big time. So what projects are you working on now? <laughs> Uh, I'd rather not go into detail because then people are going to start asking questions and I've discovered that I don't really like being in partnership with people I don't know well like yourself. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, you know. Other, you know, besides that, the second I mention something, it becomes Swamp Ape Central or whatever and everybody who do, thinks they want to make themselves famous and get their 15 minutes of fame descend on it. No, I, I drive all of the state park officials and every and Florida Fish and Wildlife nuts. So I keep my mouth shut now and stay to myself. All right. Well, that's perfectly understandable. Um, yeah. So we're coming up on the hour mark. Do you want to wrap it up, or do you have a lot of stuff you still want to get out well, there? Well, know? the only thing we haven't really touched on is one of my favorite topics, 
because I love big cats. I'm a big cat fanatic. Oh, sure. And Go ahead. We haven't talked about the Black Florida Panther. Now, yeah, I personally I personally have seen the Black Florida Panther twice. Uh, once at Oscar Shearer State Park near the entrance in Venice, uh, and, uh, and another time on Route 431, excuse me, 471 coming back from an expedition looking for it in Carabel, Florida, uh, with uh, several friends of mine and we did Monster Quest with uh, Ken Gearhard and Lee Hales. And that was the only time my son actually saw it, which is hilarious. I couldn't wake him up because he was in the uh, sleeping deck above the driver's seat when I saw it down in, in uh, Oscar Shearer State Park. And he's not exactly a morning person and doesn't wake up quickly. So by the time I got him up and he looked out the window, the cat was already gone. But coming back from the trip, he was driving the RV behind me. And we were coming down the road uh, not 25 miles from the house. And the Black Panther jumped across the, the road there as we were driving and almost got clipped by me uh, driving down the road at speed limit. And I had to slam on the brakes and my son almost clipped me in the back, slamming on his brakes. And as soon as, the, as, soon as I recovered and uh, I was able to pick up my phone because I pulled over to the side to stop, I said, did you see it this time? He said, you mean the Black Florida Panther that jumped in the road in front of me? I said, yes. Because he didn't believe in cryptids until then. And uh, that it was funny. But uh, we talked to a, a park friend of ours who works in that area afterwards. And I told him what happened. And he said that if I would keep it quiet, uh, of course, he's gone now. He's gone to another park. So I'm not bound by that. He'd tell me that uh, six of his own people had seen the animal there at the park. So what do you think they are, uh, jaguars? No, I think they are black Florida panthers. Wow. Robert, Robert, my son, and I have actually raised black Florida panthers from cubs. We know exactly what they look like. We know exactly what they walk like. We know what their profile is. So they're melanistic uh, cougars. Well, according to people like Lee, who are specialists in that, Lee Hales, it's not possible, but... I, I don't know how many of you have seen a black a Florida panther cub. They're covered in black and gray black and gold spots. So the black genetics is there to go melanistic. But for some reason in captivity, they have never gone melanistic. So the biologists think it's impossible. But I know because I've seen them, they don't exist just in the grasslands down by uh lake okeechobee and uh, further south in the everglades well down there in the grasses their gold coloration is perfect camouflage if you go up north where you have the cypress swamps the the gold coloration would stand out like a sore thumb so nature to protect the cat and help it hunt has probably developed a variety of them up there that has black or melanistic coloration which makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I think that's why you see them up there and elsewhere because they're, you know, they the, the black the, the not just the black but the Florida panther in general needs a fifty square mile hunting territory. So I mean, you know, you, given the number of, of cats that are out there, of course they got to spread out, and we're moving into their territory. 
with all the housing developments and stuff. So, of course, you're going to see them now. Have you heard of this weird cat called the Yagarundi? Jagarundi. Yeah. Are they in Florida? My son actually raised at the place he did his internship, raised three of them. Wow. They're They're weird looking. They look almost like an otter, sort of. Well, they run like one because they have short little legs. But other than that, and then they have a short little face. They look a lot like a house cat, and they're actually kept as pets like a house cat down in Central America and South America. They're common down there. They're not very common up here. But if we can get the, the far western coyotes here, there's no reason the cat can't come here, too. Now, there are armadillos in Florida, correct? Yes. I've never seen one, but I've heard they're here. <laughs> they're here. You know, why did the chicken cross the road? To get to the other side. Oh, to prove to the armadillo it could be done. Ah, okay. (laughs) So do you think some of these cats that are sighted in Florida are escaped exotics? Possible. There's supposed to be a lion lion loose and a tiger loose. I think the lion is up in the uh, area around Chiefland. Hmm. And they're used, there's a defunct uh, uh, animal place up there like, uh, you know, uh, Tiger King. And uh, uh, you know, it probably escaped. Of course, it's not in their best interest to tell Florida Fish and Wildlife it escaped because then they lose their license. Did you watch the Tiger King documentary? Yeah, I wasn't impressed. I thought it was bogus. I didn't see anybody of all the characters that were in that show that were sympathetic, that you liked, they were all just, I thought they were all terrible people. You got that right, at least in my humble opinion. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think they're helping the animals at all. I think they all abuse them. Yeah, they're exploiting them, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Even the so-called heroine of the, of the series. Yeah. So what is your opinion about keeping animals in captivity like zoos and uh, marine land? And, uh, you know, which side of the the question do you fall on? I like the, if I'm going to have a a, a more conventional zoo, I like the the concept of the Palm Beach Zoo. Uh, To some degree, the Broward Zoo is like that. Uh, but my, my, if you're going to keep these animals and you really have to, or they're going to go extinct, uh, I like lion country safari. I think that's the best, best thing in the state for the, they have, they have room to run around and live in the natural world. Right. And Disney world does a good job, but they're regimented. And my son actually works at animal kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. I I knew Robert worked at Disneyland, but uh, Disney world, but I didn't know where he worked. Now, he works at Animal Kingdom, and they do a very nice job. I mean, they've designed it well, uh, but it's not exactly what I'd like to see for wild animals. You know, but you you, you got, the, got the issue. If you're going to try and make any money off of them, you got the Jurassic Park problem. You know, you, they, they're just not going to appear on command. They're not yeah. like an animatronic. You can't make them appear when you want them to. Yeah, like the T-Rex did in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course, people don't care about that. They just care about their entertainment. They don't give a damn about the animals. Well, that's that's a shame because, yeah. Um, trying to find cryptids 
as real animals. You know, I think the best approach is to try to get a tissue sample or find bones of ones that all have already died. Use that evidence to establish a type specimen and then basically leave them alone. You know, don't mess with them because they're in a fragile enough position as it is already. I'm, I'm, I'm a, a real militant no-kill individual when it comes to the animals. Yeah. Uh, especially the cryptids because they're by nature rare to begin with. Yeah. Uh, I, I, exactly. you know, I, I respect the work done by Dr. Krantz. Uh, with, uh, with, you know, with the things he's done with Bigfoot, but I absolutely loathe and despise his kill status. And, yeah, I agree with you. You know, and, and it, it, it's become such a religion with the weekend warriors that it drives me nuts. Well, I've got biopsy darts on a pole at yeah. Lake Champlain, and my, my intention is to reach out and lightly touch one if I get close enough to one just to get a tissue sample. But sure. they're harmless. They use them that's in well and shark research all the time, you know? Yeah, that's all you need. You know, they've got enough enough type specimens in the DNA database yeah. that they can do that if you send it to the right place. The problem is people think DNA is DNA. You know, so, oh, just go ahead and send it to a paternity lab and they'll tell you what's going on. That's crap. Send it to a veterinarian to, to uh, verify... Uh, it, it's uh, uh, pedigree. That's nonsense. It's not the same thing. Yeah. Well, they have this thing now called the Gen Bank, and yes. they've got samples of of all sharks and sea turtles, right, and whales. That if you do get a sample of some kind of aquatic or marine animal, you can check it against that database. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, but if you're you know if you're going to it depends on where you think the animal fits. For example, if you think, as Dr. Meldrum appears to, that the Bigfoot is related to the species or the genus Homo, fine. You've got to send it to an outfit like the, the Planck Institute in Germany that specializes in hominin research and has those, the Denisovian, the Neanderthal, all of the human species genomes worked out for the most yeah. part. So you can see where it fits in the tree. Yeah. But if you send that to somebody who specializes in gorillas, it's going to work up to a point, but not all the way. And, and, and you don't send it to a lab with, with, with it marked Bigfoot sample. <laughs> then yeah. the lab is going to, I mean, you just don't do that. That's not a double blind to triple blind study. Triple so blind means send it to three independent labs for three separate tests without the lab having any idea where it came from or what kind of animal you're trying to research. Well, speaking of, speaking on this question, do you think Patterson's Bigfoot or the skunk ape fall either on the human side or the anthropoid side of the family tree? What's your opinion? I think the swamp ape is related to a, a, a branch of the primate family that originated with the Oreopithecus, before that the Dryopithecus. And, uh, and, and instead of going there east and migrating through the Beringia land bridge like uh, more than likely the Gigantopithecus did to become our, our western Sasquatch, it went east 
when uh, the areas between Europe and the United States and the sea levels were lower and it was marsh marshland. So the evidence of their migration is now under 80 feet of water or more. Yeah. So and so they came westward, but they stay near the swamps. They don't go inland. So they're going to stay where the waterways are. So that's and probably bad. The way down, and they go all the way around the Gulf Coast and down into Central America and South America. Well, they would be reported as the Sisamite from Belize. Well, that's, that's, that's the, the native name for one down there in Central America, yes. Yeah. Okay. So you know, they the all have different names, the different nomenclatures. you got to learn that first. Yeah. So the fact that they've stayed in these swampy areas has, has partially led to their isolation and given them a hiding place. Yes. But yeah. that doesn't mean the Bigfoot wouldn't come down this way either. And, and where the land was higher, like on the eastern seaboard of Florida, that may, be, may account for some of the sightings there. You know, and I, you know, people get all bent out of shape when they talk about the different races and stuff, which is so stupid. Uh, it, so what if there were different races of humans on the planet right now? So what? Because the bottom line is, if you go back a f not that many years, really, in, in almost a blink of an eye in geologic time, there were multiple types of humans running around that we now know anyway. Yeah, like Homo floriensis. Right. You know, they were all living concurrently in, in, in the same area or in different parts. So what? You know, one is not necessarily superior to the other. Anthropoid oh. arrogance is one of the things I absolutely despise. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What is the most ridiculous cryptozoology hoax that's ever been perpetrated in Florida, to your knowledge? Oh, I love that question. Oh, he's going to give me a bunch of hate mail, and I'm all of a sudden going to get crap on Facebook big time. Well, no, if you don't want to talk about it, it's no big deal. No, the, the, the most ridiculous one was the was Hank, I think they named him, uh, who, what's his name, stuck in a, I'm going to say what's his name, so I don't have to utter that name. I know so who you're talking about. Selling. I think most of the Bigfoot people will know who you're talking about, too. Yeah, who was running around with, the, with this r ridiculous, obvious hoax in the back of a truck trying to play the Minnesota Iceman yep. uh, and actually got called out and almost into a major fight over it with a bunch of bikers in Daytona Beach. Wow, I didn't hear about that part. Well, that's why he ran off with his tail between his legs. <laughs> and I think that there's a guy whose last name is B that's pulled a bunch of hoaxes in the Bigfoot field that was behind that thing, too. Uh, they know each other. Yeah. He's tried to suck me into a bunch of stuff, too, and it never worked. Well, it was the same bunch that pulled the Georgia Bigfoot hoax, too, back, what, 2007? Uh, yes, and there's other people involved, too, that I will not mention. You know, I actually saw... The Minnesota Iceman at a mall in Gadsden, Alabama, back in 1974. Yeah. The fake one. Did you ever see it? Not the fake one. Yeah. Well, I did. I was 10 years old. Oh, I would have been uh, 
Well, yeah, I would have been 10 years old. Yeah. You they were tried working. to do a similar hoax in, in, in France a while back, too. Oh, I didn't hear about that one. Oh, yeah. You know, every so often, somebody decides to, to pick it up, dust it off, and try a new tw twist on it. Yeah. Didn't you uh, work on some kind of a film project? A science fiction movie or a horror movie recently? Yeah, that's before I got attacked with the kidney problem, and uh, we got... About a quarter of the way through the film, but we were able to finish it because we ran out of money, and I, I can't work at night anymore because I'm on my machine. Well, good luck with that. I hope you get it finished. Well, I would love to. I just need somebody to step up and contribute the money necessary to do it. We've had a nice conversation here. I think we just about run out of stuff to talk about. Yeah, we sure have. Well, thank you for coming on the show, and uh, I my hope point. you enjoyed it. My pleasure. Yes, I enjoyed it very much. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. Take care. And you have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Radio brings you The Haunted Sea with host Scott Martis.